0: And welcome back to the Cover Three podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson, and uh, and we're here. It is 1:03 a.m. on the East Coast, 12:03 where uh, where Barton and Tom are located right now, and we've got our national championship game set. It will be the number one seed LSU Tigers against the number three seed Clemson Tigers. LSU. Absolutely rolled Oklahoma in the first game, sixty-three to twenty-eight. Clemson, twenty-nine to twenty-three. One of, uh, you know, we we can throw out all kinds of the superlatives. We're going to break down these games from lots of different angles. I would say that the Clemson Ohio State, if if you're going to have to go and rank all the college football games that we had this year, that was probably one of the more intriguing ones. And there's a lot to get into with that, but. Uh, how we feeling right now? Late night, back at it. Instant reaction pod. We haven't done a Saturday night one in bowl season yet. It's good to talk to you, boys. <laughs>
2: uh, you're on assignments. You are. Uh, you're in Atlanta. You're, you got boots on the ground in the great party of Baton Rouge East. Uh, so you're you're the one that's got the most uh, the most firsthand intel here today.
0: I do. I do have a good amount of firsthand intel, but Tom also wrote the uh, the Fiesta Bowl for CBS Sports.com, and I was dialed in uh, to Barton as uh, as the instant reaction man for uh, for both of the the games on CBS Sports HQ, which you can always see on CBS Sports HQ.com uh, or on the CBS Sports mobile app. I, I, it was funny, Barton. I actually like listened to maybe the first two questions. And then I trashed it, not because I, I loved what you had to say, but I just didn't want to already, like, know where your head was at. You know what I'm saying?
2: Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to hear it in real time. Right, the,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought you, I, I thought you had some good takes. And so I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, all right. We're going to bail on <laughs> this. But it was, I mean, it was a pretty good scene in the uh, in the media hotel. Like, everybody coming back from the game, after you finish your writing or like as you're finishing, I, I did my my write-through on uh, – I did a piece on Joe Burrow. You can go read it on cbssports.com. And like everyone was doing it while watching and everyone continued to sort of come back from the stadium. And by the time the fourth quarter started, we had a pretty good crowd uh, all together, sort of everybody with their laptops open or or maybe just sort of sitting around watching the game. Uh, and it was pretty epic. Should we start with Ohio state Clemson? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we should probably start with Ohio state Clemson. Um, yeah. so Clemson won. Ohio state played well enough to win, did not catch breaks. Tom, how do you balance the potential conspiracy theory outrage with the content of the game as we continue to move forward?
1: There will be conspiracy. Theory. Well, not conspiracy, but there will be refs screwed us sentiments from Ohio State, and I don't give them that much credence, honestly. the The targeting call, I didn't like it, but yeah, by by the rule book, that was targeting. He got ejected for it. Do I wish there was leeway and like determining what's true? Like, what? Who, who did it in the English the uh, Peach Bowl? R- what's the kid's name? Radley Hines or whatever?
2: Yeah, Uki. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, that. Was targeting, because that was full intent. He knew what he was doing the whole time. He launched into his head. The guy didn't even have the ball. The pass wasn't coming to him. None of that stuff. That's targeting. What happened in the Fiesta Bowl was just, you know, Sean Witt making a sack, and their helmets collided. But, again, by the rule book, it's targeting. I just, you know, there needs to be a little more common sense involved. So, Mm -hmm. I understand why they feel, Ohio State fans will feel shortchanged by that. But, again... It's it's by the rule. The one I didn't quite agree with, and I think there's legitimate beef, is you know the the Justin Ross non fumbled or non catch that was then picked up by Fuller, and you know he took it to the house, and it would have given them a twenty three twenty one lead at the time. Like I understand that they like the, the Dave Kataya, the, the game, you know, the ESPN ref guy comes on and says, well, we're watching it in slow motion. So but it looks like, you know, well, he's slow motion or full speed. He still took three full steps with the ball in his hands. If those aren't football moves, I don't know what is. So that one, I didn't, I, I totally think that if Ohio state fans want to be really angry about go for it, you should be. But at the end of the day, man, it shouldn't have mattered. Ohio State had three red zone possessions in the first, you know, what, 25 minutes of this game. Got three field goals out of them.
0: You don't win kicking field goals. You don't win kicking field goals.
1: You had a 16 to nothing lead that should have been a 28 to nothing lead or a 24 to nothing lead at a minimum. Say, okay, you can't score every time, but it should have been at least 24 to nothing. Instead, it was 16 to nothing. And you let a team like Clemson hang around, and that's what's going to happen to you because, you know, this is a team that has won, you know, two national titles in the last three years, and keeps getting back to the playoff—not by accident, because it's really good.
2: Yeah, I, I think, uh, in terms of the, the calls, I'm, I'm I'm with you. Like I, I am very anti-targeting. I hate the rule. I hate the punitive nature of the rule. I hate that there's no intent. That is legislated in the rule like it's it's all just uh helmet to helmet but so yeah I agree if if I'm a defender and I'm Sean Wade and I'm coming in there that is is unfortunate that Trevor Lawrence ducks his head and and creates a targeting but all the college football like analysts on Twitter saying it was a bad call is a bad take because it by the but the way the rule is written, that was the correct call. He lowered his head. It was—I mean, he—he he, there actually was a way he could have avoided being called for targeting. So it sucked. I hated to see him get kicked out. I didn't like to see that call made because it was a play in which there was no there was no b- bad intent. It was just a incidental contact, basically, basically deal. But that's the way the rule is written. So. They had to call it. So I agree with you there. I also agree with you on the other side of it. Look, when they call, when they let that play go in real time on the fumble, I, I I felt like, well, that's coming back. Like that's not a fumble. But then when you show it on replay and he takes three steps, you got, you can't overturn it. Like I can, I could, if, if the call on the field was incomplete pass, and you go to replay, then I can see the call standing. But to overturn that, that struck me as uh, bad. Um, so I get that beef, but I'm like you, Tom. I still think, like Clemson went out and won that game. And look, they there were red zone missed opportunities in red zone. Part of that was just J.K. Dobbin's dropping a couple passes, which again, it sucks that he's actually has some.
0: Because he was the best player.
2: Yeah, he was he was the most inspiring best player on that field. And yeah, if there's anyone team, on that field absolutely. That, that deserved to win that game is J.K. Dobbins. But he had two critical drops that led to field goals that really crushed Ohio State. But there's more, like, I think that it didn't come back to bite them, but Ryan Day not going for two to go up three instead of two late in the game was was kind of showed his age a little bit. And I felt like... Look, I mean, hindsight is 20 you know, but you got a chance to win the game on fourth and two or three from the 40, and instead you get the ball to Trevor Lawrence with three minutes and seven seconds left to, to drive the field, and he goes and wins it. So I think that there were some, some calls and some plays over the course of the game that Ryan Day is going to look back on and, and probably have a hard time, hard time in retrospect.
0: They've got – Clemson did not play its best game. You know, Trevor Lawrence, 18 for 33, 259 yards. You mentioned that drive. Like, he did a phenomenal job. He was the team's leading rusher. Travis Etienne, just 36 yards on 10 carries, uh, ends up really breaking the game open as a receiver in the passing game with a couple of huge uh, passes, including the uh, two touchdown receptions. 53 yards on, on one of those. I think that when you've got the, like Clemson has to come out of this feeling like they dodged one, right? Like Clemson has to come out of this knowing that they got a bunch of breaks and things just sort of fell in their way and they were able to capitalize when it matters. And look like, like not, I'm not going to lean in into the full uh, heart of a champion thing. I've, I've heard Debo Sweeney talk about heart of a champion, for probably like four or five seasons now. It really started with Deshaun Watson. But I do think that there's something to that sort of built-in confidence that probably comes from the coaching staff on down where when you've won 28 straight games going into it and you're sitting there and you're like, nah, we're we're gonna get this right now. And sure enough, uh the, the final interception, the game ceiling interception comes uh from a player whose only scholarship offer was from Clemson. That was a very Clemson way uh, for that to end right there.
2: Yeah. And, and I do, I do think Clemson. I, I, when I was on HQ BMac Mac kept saying this, Brian McFadden kept saying this, like the Clemson's the best coach team in the country. I do think that that's probably true. Mm. I, I do think that Clemson, like think about this. Think about what Brent Venables had to do this year, basically throwing out his, his, defensive scheme and just starting from scratch and running the iowa state stuff and now he's a three-man front and he's got isaiah simmons just being this rover kind of going wherever he, he moved all him, over the he place. moved him to safety for the second half
0: it was like yeah. oh, oh you're you're letting these jk dobbins runs break off well then let's move isaiah simmons to a deep safety and it ends up being a huge interception that uh, changes the game
2: and a bunch of the, and, and and they do such a good job with those pressures from the second level and the different ways that they can stress an offensive line and 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 so like defensively they're off the charts and they're not like personnel wise that defense you mentioned it, chip like they got guys that had one offers come out of high school like there are some obviously some freaks out there don't get me wrong but 1 to 11 we talked about this before like they they got some guys out there that couldn't start for Ohio State right and so I mean, that's and then I, just the way Trevor Lawrence quarterback run, quarterback run, quarterback run, quarterback run, and then the first time we see that counter all game is the two minute drill, like deep in Ohio State territory. They they show the Trevor Lawrence sort of quarterback run drop pop pass yeah the pop pass yeah and bam touchdown like. How fitting! Like I just think Clemson is is totally playing chess on on teams, and even against a really well-coached Ohio State team, that they I, th- I feel like Clemson outcoached them.
1: Going going back to Isaiah Simmons, I tweeted it. Uh, he reminds me of Brian erlocker mm. yeah, with like and the I don't four three, say that lightly,
0: like deep, deep, uh, the old Lovey a Smith, a giant,
1: a giant man who's freakishly athletic. Who could do anything you ask him to as a defender? If you want him to rush the passer, he could do it. If you want him to be a run stopper, he could do it. If you want him to cover, he can do it. It's like there's nothing that you can't use him for. He's amazing. He
0: is amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, will, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I felt like this was a great game for Trevor Lawrence, even though if you look at the box score, it's not really pretty. I mean, he was only 18 to 33, which, you know, this is a guy who completed like 70% of his passes during the regular season. So that was well below that. You know, he's, he only averaged about 7.8 yards per attempt, which is well below his season average. But on you mentioned his running and how they were able to counter it. This was a night where Ohio state's defense kind of did what it did against Wisconsin and other teams where it completely took Etienne out of the running game. Like mm-hmm. he finished with 36 yards rushing on 10 carries and they were like saying, well, if you're going to beat us in the running game, it's going to have to be Trevor Lawrence who beats us, which serves two purposes, a to keep Etienne from having the ball and B allows you free shots on Trevor Lawrence as a runner, which they got a lot of, but Lawrence all of a sudden breaks out that 67 yard (laughs) touchdown run. So like on the night where he's not having the greatest day passing, because also we have to mention, you know, Justin Ross and T Higgins being banged up and in and out of the game that clearly impacted what Clemson was trying to do in the passing game. So he doesn't have it in the passing game so he uses his legs. He gets over 100 yards rushing. He was doing everything that they needed him to do. He's taking big hits. He's getting up. He got, you know, he got he's got his bell rung pretty good by Wade when that targeting call had leave for play came back in. It's like it wasn't pretty if you look at the stats, but in a way, I feel like that was Trevor Lawrence's most impressive game in college. It's incredible that this kid's only 20 years old because he has like that kind of composure and that never freaking out, never feels like he's down or going to lose kind of mentality to him where everything just seems so smooth. Like, it's like you're watching Joe Montana or Tom Brady or somebody, except this kid's 20.
0: I do think that it matters. And Barton, you mentioned this. uh, I don't think going into the game, but, you know, Justin Fields only had, what, like one season as a starting quarterback in high school?
2: Uh he had he started his junior year was his first was the only real full season. He had he played a couple of games the sophomore year and he was and got hurt. A, right? And he got hurt like midway through his senior year.
0: And Trevor Lawrence, four year starter in high school.
2: Right. Yeah. And won like three state championships and played deep into playoffs every year. Like he had like sixty stars in high school.
0: Yeah. That's uh, he's football old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Like he's 20 years old. You're 100% right. It's crazy to think that he's got that kind of composure, but I mean, he just like the the only time when youth sort of factors into my analysis of Trevor Lawrence during an interview or a conversation or or, you know, any of the the times that we or anyone else gets a chance to, to sort sort of put him into under the microscope or into the spotlight, it's only that he just doesn't have interests beyond football right or just you <laughs> know like or you know just being a good guy or, or you know all, all of the the sort of you know all the all the good clemson good old clemson uh uh values that they have at the program but the the fact that Trevor Lawrence has been in so many of these situations, uh, the ESPN cameras did a good job of, of putting it on display right before what ended up being the game-winning drive. He's, like, gathering his offensive line together. He's huddling them up, and he's, like, putting their helmets together. And he's, like, I just I, in my head, I was like, oh, he is telling these guys exactly what they're going to go do and what ended up happening. It was uh, first down, first down, first down, touchdown, right? four plays
2: it sounds right yeah. yeah
0: yeah it was it was like a a 10 yard play a 10 yard play a 38 yard play and a touchdown and i just almost uh, uh imagined in my head i was like that is exactly the kind of confidence and in the post game scrum and you know some of that stuff is still going on right now as we're recording but some one clemson player came out and said like, you know was there any doubt going into that final drive and they said not not when you with that quarterback and the fact that Trevor Lawrence at the age of 20 uh, being just a sophomore is able to have that kind of impact on a locker room is uh, is, a, is a pretty impressive thing. So I'm I'm looking at the Clemson Tigers right now. They didn't play their best game, but they played just good enough to win. And it's it's something that for a team that we wondered if they were going to be able to show up and if they were going to be able to take a punch – this was a giant, giant checkmark because the whole battle-tested theory is, is now all of a sudden out the window having gone against an Ohio State team that I think could have won a national championship. RIP, thoughts and prayers, Tom, to plus 600. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. But,
0: like, like, this Ohio State team could have won this game and could have won a national championship. But, uh, but Clemson could win a national championship, too. So I'm... Uh, I don't know. It, it, what else, what else sort of stands out to y'all about well, this?
2: Yeah. So a, I, I want to um, touch on who you guys think is a better matchup. Like who, who is, who is, who is in LSU's best interest to win this game. Uh, but before I get to that, like in in response to your, your Trevor Lawrence discussion just now, like coming out of high school, if like there really i mean there really there wasn't like a true knock so like this this wasn't a knock he was our the top rated quarterback in the history of twenty four seven sports he he was the number one player in the country our highest rated quarterback ever like he he was generational in terms of the way we viewed him, but like when we when we lined him up with with justin fields and this was a very real debate, and i actually was was someone that that leaned to justin fields between the two was the, the one thing that Justin Fields had was the mobility, the sort of more, the quote, modern quarterback of, I mean, he's six foot four, 230 pounds, runs a four, 540. And, you know, he's this, the game is moving more towards these guys. Whereas Trevor Lawrence, while he's mobile, too tall. Is, <laughs> is, yeah, he's like a tall yeah. pocket packer. Right. Well, like, I think. The two things that have happened since he's come to Clemson are one, he you know, he showed up looking like a high school kid, skinny, gangly, just you know, not really physically ready for the game. And whatever, he still won a national championship. So not 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 that he wasn't physically ready, but that was something he needed to improve on. Well now he you know, when one season, one season in, he's taking these just like pounding, brutal shots. From the number one defense in the country, and they keep feeding him the ball. Like they're not scared of it. Like they're just like this guy is is, he has put in the work to be ready for this pounding. We're not worried about it, Trevor. You good? You good? All right, keep going. And and secondarily, and kind of related, is he has also evolved into this very modern, very dual threat in a way quarterback. I mean, I, I, I I hate that we even differentiate between pro style dual threat because everyone's kind of has to be dual threat to a certain degree in football today. And Trevor is Lawrence is proving to be very much a dual threat quarterback. And he has grown into that. And so uh, I just think with that uh, added on to all of the just traits he showed up with that, that makes him that much tougher to defend.
1: You know, it's funny because he is like six, six, so you know he's six six two twenty. So it's like, but he's since he's not like a, you know linebacker that's six six. He's kind of skinny for six six. It's like you, you forget how big he is. So it's like when you see him taking those hits, it's like, oh man, poor Trevor, poor little guy's getting smacked around. And then you realize, oh no wait, he's he's bigger than a lot of the guys hitting
0: him. He's uh, yeah. He's I mean he's a big dude. Like you you stand next to him and you're like, oh okay, all right. But that's the, isn't there I uh, I don't think it happens in college football, but it isn't in the NFL that is starting to become a theory about being too tall.
2: I uh, mean, well, so, so here's the thing. And like, this is also the thing that I, I really loved about Trevor coming out of high school is he is, he is all of six, five plus six, six. And usually when a guy is six, five plus six, six, he is, he's got this sort of, I don't want to say elongated delivery, but it's it's more of a rigid delivery. Mm. Where and 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 Trevor throws it like he's six one and a half. Like he's got this quick release that's that is allows him to distribute the football off platform in different ways, through windows, in chaos, where he doesn't have to just be sort of you know Peyton Manning in the pocket. And and so that was always that. So yeah, I think to that point, like being this long-bodied quarterback these days is not as valued as being someone who is in that you know more of that six-one-six-two mold that can get rid of the football and and distribute it and deliver it. Like the the delivery mechanism has to be more dynamic and it's like and the Russell fluid.
0: Baker Ty- Kyler mold, like exactly Russell Wilson and Trevor and Trevor yeah. throws
2: more like those guys than he does like. You know Peyton Manning or more, more of the old school Drew Bledsoe traditional like old pro style NFL quarterbacks.
0: Mm. Uh, anything else on this game that we want to get out?
2: Uh,
0: I
1: don't know why oh. Ryan Day didn't go for two. I mean, it didn't matter in the end, but that was just weird.
0: Did you think that was that big a deal? Yeah. yeah. I was proven wrong at the time I said out loud. I was having that discussion uh, with Paul Meyerberg, USA Today. We were debating it. And at the time, it was early fourth quarter, and my prediction was that the game was about to get loose. The game did not get loose, but I just, you know, the way the game had felt, I was like, I don't know, man. It kind of feels like there's two more scores in this game. I was wrong, obviously. I will admit that. But don't the analytics say you should have gone for two?
1: Oh, hell yes. I you mean, you, there's no difference between being up one and two at that point in the game, but being up three, there's a pretty clear difference.
2: Mm. Yeah. I, and, and look, I, to be honest with you, and this is why like, I wasn't really, I don't know, I was looking at Twitter after the score and all, you know, so I wasn't really like thinking about in that frame of mind. So I didn't, in real time, I wasn't like, why is he not kicking it? But I felt like pretty clearly that should have been the decision and you know, Ryan day wasn't on Twitter during the game. So he should have. he probably should have known that.
0: Oh man. The, I, (laughs) I do think that Ohio state Clemson was the, uh, was like the Twitter rules expert MVP bowl game and the Twitter coach (laughs) expert MVP bowl game.
2: There was definitely that out there, but the, and the funny thing about the Twitter rules expert guy, was like there every as the same time as everyone was saying like the sa- the timeline was back to back like terrible call that's can't possibly be targeting and the next guy up is that's very clearly targeting got to call that <laughs> <And> that's that's <laughs> like, every targeting call yeah, but you know. i thought
1: that no i thought that one was pretty clear you it's took, obvious took the it's- crown of your helmet and hit the quarterback in the head and whether it was intentional or not
2: don't have beef with that call. Have beef with the rule. And if oh, you have yeah, beef with the sure. rule, then yeah, I'm with you. Let's, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll pick it in the streets with you.
1: One other minor thing I have problem with from this game is all the tweets I saw about where's Chase Young.
2: Yeah, that was yeah. A, I had a problem with that too.
1: I know he didn't have a bunch of tackles, and I know he didn't have a bunch of sacks, but. Like he was in the backfield, forcing Lawrence to move around and be uncomfortable, like on forty percent of his dropbacks.
2: Yeah, and like how many times did Clemson even throw like a five-step drop? Yeah, I mean everything was getting it out quick because Chase Young was in the backfield immediately. So I, I, I'm sure he affected their whole game plan.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's,
2: the it's, entire <laughs>
0: Clemson game plan starts with avoiding Chase Young. Right, it's and, very, and maybe it's I'm simple. just
1: like super. I'm super sensitive to it because being a Bears fan. Like there's been a whole lot of Cleo Mack's not having a good year. Cleo Mack is like fourth in the NFL in QB pressures. It's like just because they're not getting the sacks, the sacks are just you know those are random for the most part. The pressure is what you want, and yeah, yeah so yeah.
2: If you're if you're if you're scrapping your vertical passing game because of one player, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd say you're making you're making an impact.
0: Okay, and uh, I guess before we hit the break, to that point, the earlier question. Who would be the tougher matchup for LSU? I think it might be Ohio State.
2: All right. So here, here's uh, – let's break it down, and then we'll get to the LSU game. But I think this is interesting because so I think Ohio State has better and, – and Bill Conley, who I have immense respect for, made a statement that – Clemson has better a better secondary than Ohio State. I don't think that's but, true. I do not agree with that. No. I think I think Ohio State's corners would be and and Ohio State's safeties for that matter and and with the exception of Isaiah Simmons, I don't even know what you count him as. But <laughs> I think Ohio State's corners in particular create the best challenge for LSU's receivers that they've seen all year. And and I think their safeties are more equipped. Uh, Isaiah Simmons excluded to handle LSU skill guys as well than Clemson's. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle in beating LSU is just having the dudes in the secondary to be able to maybe capitalize on a couple of those 50 50 balls that Joe Burrow throws up. So I, I lean initially Ohio state, but the more I watch that game tonight, the more I I I wonder if just the, the, all the kind of the, the funky style of that Clemson defense and the different looks that they're going to give and the different ways they can use their personnel i just wonder it's going to be different than anything joe Burrow's seen so far this year and i just wonder if it can, you know, they can i get one pick six like they get on two last year they can get one something junky based on just coaching and just scheme and just giving them a messy picture that that could could make it a more challenging game for him than because if you're just going to give him clean looks and let him throw it, man, that's hard to pick against him.
0: What do you think, Tom? Yeah, no,
1: <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, no, I I don't really have anything to disagree with there.
0: Mine comes down to the uh, just the fact that I I think that. Clemson right now, because it is uh, – and, and, you know, I'm going to say all this and, you know, spoiler alert, but do stick around. Like, my pick on CBSports.com is going to keep riding with Clemson, but LSU should probably win the game. And LSU should probably win the game because I don't think that three down linemen and funky looks, like, I don't know. LSU's seen it all. I mean, Auburn ran that three one seven. Remember? But, but
1: my only counter to that is that you just not kind of feel like a team of destiny right now.
2: Hell yeah, they do.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should save this for after the break. But it's just, it's <laughs> like I like I I'm so torn in like my breaking down of this impending title game of. Being logical and trying to break it down from football saying, Nope, no, nope, team of
2: destiny. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. They're like, like,
0: coming up on the other side, the many different ways that LSU might be a team of destiny. Next. Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 29 for 39 for 493 yards, seven touchdowns and zero interceptions.
1: Yeah, but but only 92 of those yards and no of those touchdowns came in the second half. So we have to wonder if Joe Burrow peaked too early.
0: Justin Jefferson was targeted 18 times. He caught 14 of them for <laughs> 227 yards and four touchdowns. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but after the game, uh, Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow were laughing about how there should have been two more touchdowns.
2: Justin <laughs> Jefferson, mad at themselves.
0: no, Justin Jefferson was mad at Joe Burrow for missing him and not yeah. throwing it to him.
1: Well, um, even Burrow in like the post game interviews on the field was like, "Well, you know, I didn't play all that great." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <It's> like dude. <laughs> yeah, like good luck to Tanner Muse and <laughs> Nolan Turner. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I, these guys are national champions. I'm not. I'm not being. I mean, how are those guys, how are, like, that's, that's, that is where I come up against against this LSU team versus Clemson is, is, man, there's, there are some mismatches in there. Um, but I mean, the, the big old gumbo eating Cajun God in the sky has ordained this as the year LSU wins the national title. So, uh, I mean, good luck Dabo. Uh,
0: um, Okay, so I, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let y'all go. Where, where do y'all want to go with this on in terms of uh, breaking down Peach Bowl? I
1: mean, I knew that Oklahoma was going to have problems defensively with who they were, you know, who they didn't have, and plus and their the ejection. LSU's offense.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then the targeting
2: ejection takes out yeah. another safety. But who did they not have? They had Turner, Yell, and and Rodney Perkins. Yeah, right. so
1: you had your best pass rusher, which I honestly I don't think was a huge deal because. You know, you it's know, no,
2: like, one, no one gets to Joe Burrow, anyways.
1: Yeah, but I, I thought, I thought, you know, the losing your starting safety is a major problem, but it's just, I was very surprised by how ineffective Oklahoma's offense was and how bad Jalen Hurts looked.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, that was I. I would say, because look, I, I was the dummy that picked Oklahoma to cover same, uh, and. I don't think LSU did anything that I was shocked with in terms of productivity offensively. I just thought that Oklahoma was going to be able to keep pace and in keeping pace would be able to slow the game down some and shorten it a little bit. And you look up and you just, you're kind of in a, in a shootout a little bit of a fist fight there late. And they just that, that, that just is not this. I mean, it's they're still coming into the game. We're the number one team in the country in yards per play, just like they've been the last two years. But that was a different team. That was a different Oklahoma team than we've seen the last couple years. I just, and I don't know what it is. I think,
0: uh, I thought Dave Miranda had a good plan. He was like, We are going to make Jalen Hurts pass the ball to beat us. He said, uh, Ed O'Dron said after the game that. When you've got an offense like this, and you win the coin toss in a game like this, human nature says you want the ball. But I wanted to give my defense confidence, and I could tell that my defense was fired up, and they wanted to answer the call. And the play of guys uh, like Kayla Von Chason, the play of Queen, the play of Jacob Phillips—like they just the the way that they just sort of flew around at the second level of the defense was really, really impressive to me. And I I thought that they just sort of decided at some point, you know, within that defensive unit. And again, I, I, I like coach O will credit Dave Aranda for this. They were like, nah, I, I understand that Oklahoma has this elite offense, but if we do our job and if we win that battle, then we're gonna cruise in this game. And I thought they did.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, when Kayla Von Chase on, like what didn't he have a sack like the first play of the game?
0: Yeah, no, it yeah. was it was <laughs> three and out, three and out, and maybe it was the first four Oklahoma drives, I think two or three of them were three and outs.
2: Well, I mean, did you you guys saw Patrick Queen's quotes in the lead of, I'm sure you did Chip, or I don't know, maybe you didn't because you were interviewing other people, but Patrick Queen, and I think a few other guys said something similar, but Patrick Queen's was the, the soundbite that stood out to me. He was basically, he said this this is close to an exact quote. Uh, their running backs aren't very good. Their offense line isn't very good. Uh, we expect to dominate them. Like he's, he's out there saying this stuff to, with a bunch of microphones in his face and usually that doesn't go that well especially when you're playing a lincoln riley offense and he man, backed they knew, it what, up they knew with, what they were talking about <laughs> yeah
0: he backed it up with eight tackles and one and a half tackles for loss
1: yeah I, I can't remember who who tweeted it out but the tweet was in the slack during this game that it was like you know lsu coaches and everything kind of you know, they weren't saying it on the record, but off the record, they were kind of saying that they felt like Oklahoma was like the 15th best team in the country and was like uh, the fifth best team they had played as they were preparing for the game.
2: Yeah. I saw a few people tweet out that I, I saw maybe two, two LSU people tweet that out, something like that out. So they, they clearly weren't even like really hiding it that much from the people close to them in the media.
0: I just, uh, I, I, I look at this game, and so the to take it to the other side of the ball, I thought LSU's defense did a great job, but the thing that stood out to me was that as – and I, I wrote this, but, like, as LSU is shattering all of these records, you know, Joe Burrow, college football playoff records, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, college football playoff records, uh, the, the ridiculous, you know, 63-28 to kind of blowout win, as all this stuff is happening – it kind of felt unspectacular, at least if you were reading the sideline. Like, it was just business as usual as they are trouncing this team in a game that leads to the national championship game. And there's something that's, like, a a little bit, you know, uh, BMAC, Brian McFadden, you know, I guess this is a lot of Brian McFadden mentions, but you know, he's real big on Joe cool as his nickname for Joe Burrow. And, uh, and I feel like there's something about the attitude where the expectation within the offensive meeting rooms, as they're going through their preparation is like, okay. And if they do this, we're going to do this and score a touchdown. And if they do this, then you know what, we'll do this and score a touchdown. And (laughs) there were plays where Burrow would throw the ball, and it was like one of those 50-50 balls that you were talking about. And Bro talked about how comfortable he feels throwing 50-50 balls to Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Thaddeus Moss, Terrace Marshall. Um, but, like, as I was watching it, the the press box in Mercedes-Benz Stadium is kind of in the corner, so you almost get, like, more of an end zone view than a sideline view. There were a couple of those passes where there were, one, maybe even two wide open receivers that would have been better options or like air quote, better options based on how much space they had. And that's what, when Joe Burrow's like, yeah, I didn't really have the, the the best game. Like I saw a lot of what could have been potentially even more open, uh, receivers in that, in the process of that. So I just think that that's just the way that this LSU offense runs. Every single time that they get the ball, they expect to score a touchdown. And there's something about that mentality as we continue to go through this storyline of team of destiny or anything else. Like, you don't even have to go through some Louisiana voodoo to just break down the X's and O's and be like, I don't know, man. Like, I just I kind of think that this team, they expect to score every single time they have the ball. And the evidence has shown that more often than not, that's what they do.
2: Well, uh, so I, this is, I, I said this on HQ, that this game, to me, like, yes, it got them to the national championship game. But because of the way they won that game, because of the, the, the nature of that blowout, and because they beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, because they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, because they beat Auburn, they beat Florida, like they beat Texas on the road. And LSU is now playing. If they beat a 14-0 and Clemson that is has won 29 straight games heading into this one, defending national championship. if LSU beats that Clemson team, I don't care how they beat them, they are the greatest team of all time.
0: Oh, I'm glad. I mean, I, I'm glad I checked out of HQ before I heard that. So honestly, that I could, like, that's like a good a, take. A bar, yeah. like
2: barring, like 1888 Yale or something, you know, like pre 20th <laughs> century. Football. Oh, it's gotta be Yale. It's gotta be Yale. It's always gotta be. Yale. <laughs> hey, they were 13 and never scored on, uh, barring that team, you know, like in modern, modern football, I, I know how hyperbolic that sounds. And, and so, but truly like from a resume standpoint, you've got the Heisman Trophy winner, you've got the coach of the year, you got the Broyles award winner, you got the Thorpe winner, you got the Benerick award winner, I'm not the Beneric, the, uh, Blitnikoff winner. You've got the Joe Moore award winner. You have a arguably the best d- defensive coordinator in football. You have like you, you've been
0: the best resume. S-
2: like you know, the, the best, like, yeah. like what, What? like, what could you ever ask for more out of a team <laughs> like to be termed as the greatest of all time? And not only that, but you know, those Miami teams, like um, what was that Miami running backfield that had, you know, like McGahee Frank Gore and like, Gore and like, yeah, like McGay, he was like third team or something. And, and edge like uh, Clinton Portis, Clinton Portis was in there. Maybe, yeah, you know, this is going to be one of those teams where yeah, Clyde Edwards-Elgar gets all the workload, but when Tyrian Davis Price and John Emery Jr go in the first round in 3 years or 2 years and we look back on this LSU team and they were they got like, you know, 45 carries on the season or something, it's just it's just going to add to the folklore. So I I mean, so I know that like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like hyperbole is 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 warranted. And I just think that's, that, that is what LSU is playing for at this point. If they lose, then Hey, scratch all that. But if they win that that game, what, what is there to keep us from saying that what, what resume team roster, whatever, are you going to put up against what this LSU team has done this year? Got to beat Belichick.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean, I grant Delpit, Christian Fulton, uh, you know, the, the Thorpe Award winner, as you mentioned earlier, was Derek Stingley Jr., uh, Kayla Von Chasen, uh, Rashard Lawrence. Like, it works it works across the entire roster.
2: Yeah, well, Delpit won the Thorpe, but he, he actually shouldn't have. I mean, honestly, that that was the only award that was kind of – I mean, he didn't have his great year this year, but he was the third best DB on the team probably. Yeah. Like, that's the irony of it. It's like, yeah, he probably didn't deserve the Thorpe, but he also was – Probably not the best DB on his own team this year. So what does that say about this LSU defensive backfield?
1: Yeah, I voted for Akuda myself. But <laughs> yeah, that's and I love Grant Delpit.
2: Yeah, I do too.
0: Well, Grant Delpit, what was has been hobbled? Like he's just now healthy again for the first well, that's time the other thing in probably like yeah, a month and, like and a half. They're, all,
2: they're they're just now hitting their stride. So we would nitpick nitpicked their defense for a while, and, and it was fair. But this is probably the healthiest they've been all year.
0: Do you think that there's going to be any? I we're going to talk about it a lot. I'm just going to introduce it now. But do you think that the playing in New Orleans it is on a base level an advantage? But do you think that all the extra stuff, like do you? I, I think it is a challenge. I don't think that that is necessarily a reason to think that LSU will not turn in an LSU type performance, but I do think that in terms of managing this long layoff, we're talking about from December 28th to January 13th, and it's going to be in new Orleans. Do we think that that is, that has any potential uh, to maybe just pack a little bit of extra pressure that could shake what I agree is potentially like one of the, the greatest college football stories of the modern era.
1: No, <laughs> I, think, I think it's just an advantage. I mean, I what's, what's their record at the Superdome? Does anybody know off the top? I mean,
0: well, I mean, Alabama beat them. Yeah,
1: but I'm not, I'm not saying they're undefeated, but let me see if I can Google real
0: quick. They beat Ohio state the 07 season, the less miles 07 championship. So they, January of 08, they,
1: they whooped up on Illinois in the 2001 sugar bowl. I know that. I know you do. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think they've, I, I don't know the record off the top of my head, and I can't find it with a quick Google search, but I'm fairly certain LSU historically has done pretty well in the Superdome. And I don't think that's really going to have an impact, although I'm sure it will be something that's Talked about, but I mean, I I think it's just going to be beating Clemson. I don't I don't think that if they lose, it's going to be like pressure from.
0: Agree. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. I'm just saying, there's a lot of people with access to this program who are going to want to have some more access, given the proximity.
2: But this whole thing, like this whole year, has been like I was just I was thinking today. I mean, football is. Football, more so than any other sport, and I, I, I played a lot of sports in high school and growing up, and there's, n- like, nothing compares to a win in football. Nothing, no, in no other sport. Nothing compared because there's just, it's so hard, and there's, there's so many ways you can lose, and, there's, and it's so physical, and, and it grinds on you so much physically and emotionally and there's just there's nothing like the euphoria of a football locker room and LSU has been winning like like they've never won there all year long and I just think that building has just so much built up equity of like joy and mojo and it's 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 almost like i mean coach o none of that stuff none of that periphery stuff matters i don't think like i think this team is just and in, in such a good place emotionally and and and, and the, i mean clearly the focus is there like i remember there there was i had the i had the volume so in the game but i guess it was after oklahoma scored 14 points or something and You know, LSU's still up, like, 35-14 or whatever it was. But Caleb on chase is, is like, getting into the defense and sort of keeping them dialed in. And I just think that there's a level of leadership on this team, and it starts with the head guy, and focus and alignment that I just – man, it's hard for me to see anything, like – getting this ship off course and i'm not saying they can't lose they they can but but i don't i don't think it's going to because they're not ready or because they don't they're on the right mindset
1: one point of contention i agree with what your spirit of what you're saying is and i think that it's different ways but i will say throwing a perfect game in baseball feels pretty damn cool too
2: (laughs) Yeah, but that's that's like a specific. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I'm saying I like I said it, it comes in different ways. But like you know, winning a football game that's awesome. But also like single-handedly destroying a team by yourself
2: feels pretty good too. I'm not saying there's not a better feeling in sports than winning a football game. But I'm saying if you compare winning and and a cons- and like the kind of season LSU's having week over week after week against like a, I don't know what's a long wind streak in baseball, like a 12 game win streak in baseball. Like I don't think, I don't think those two are comparable that, yeah. they throwing a perfect game, maybe a better feeling than rushing for 250 yards. Uh, but are you, is that, is that like low key, like brag that you've thrown a perfect game? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, if you're, if you're going to bring it up
0: and get
2: that in there, okay. <laughs> All right. All right.
0: Was it high school or was it uh club ball? High school. Hmm. Well against a good team. No. But mm. I mean But it was a perfect freaking
2: game. I was just Ch- so good Chips, that day. Chip's trying to like tear down your perfect game. I know. Little holes in your perfect game. <laughs> perfect game a perfect game, Chip. I I just I don't
0: know what uh Proviso West who they were playing in. I don't know the con I don't know the <laughs> conference.
2: You guys are, you guys yes, are playing sir. all the, the 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 rich kids at Lake Forest. No, <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no, no. What Lake Forest was a long way from some West.
0: Um. Okay. So for the, the uh, to your point about Caleb Von Chason and the leadership angle, uh, Coach O said this was his best week of practice of his entire college career, and that's why he was named one of the team captains for the game which considering the you know celebration that LSU had when he committed as a highly touted prospect the fact that, that that light is starting to go off and the fact that he's starting to fill in those you know fill into the role that is so entrenched within the LSU defensive culture like yes the LSU football culture now has a whole lot Uh, different look on terms of what we expect from the offense, but to have a game changing best player on the defense type linebacker who's out there and not only uh, being one of the, the, the high impact players, but also one of the leaders on the sideline and in the locker room, that is nothing but great news uh, for the Tigers. And then, you know, as, as, as we sit back and as we, you know, start to go back into the, uh, the mojo thing, There is a joy about this LSU team. Like there is a fun, there is a, uh, there's a happiness. There's something about Ed Odron where he's kind of stepped to the side and he's let uh, his players be goofy in practice. And he hasn't tried to overmanage or meddle with anything. And listen, if, if LSU does win this national championship against Clemson, which is absolutely possible and, you know, probably, I don't know. Again, my pick on CBSSports.com that Adam Silverstein asked for, like I don't know, an hour ago. I did just stick with my early Clemson gut play, but having been, uh, ha- having seen this LSU team now again in person after we saw them in uh, in Austin, at they look like champions to me. So I would, um, I don't, I don't think anybody's wrong, and I do think we're set up for probably. Uh, a national championship game that should pack uh, a whole lot of entertainment.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. It's going to be a matchup of two of the, like, it's, it's kind of wild to say it, but two of the best head coaches in college football. Um, I think Ed Ogeron, the way this team is clicking right now, He's looking like
1: that. Um, Two interim coaches who'd never been coordinators before. Yeah. I just – I feel bad for Dabo because now that Chip's picked Clemson, he's not going to be able to pull out that nobody believes in us.
2: That line – so the line opened at three and a half. I think it's already gotten bet up to like five, <laughs> or at least in some places.
0: I, I, I hope that I get a chance to – uh I don't think it's going to be, I was thinking about this. I don't think it's going to be the leading up to the national championship. It's probably going to be more of an off season, but uh, hey, Dabo is the, like the second time I've told you on this podcast. Cause I know you're a loyal listener, a five-star subscriber, but I've got the receipts. People are, t- people think you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, uh, yeah like what did six of our seven expert pickers pick clemson to win the fiesta Bowl?
0: like i'm i'm pretty sure that uh the, this whole no one wants us in the playoff is uh I, I don't i don't i don't think that's the case so yeah but
2: now now Dabo gets to you know we're underdogs no one's get, oh this is bad. Barton Simmons said, oh, the best team of all time. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, he, he's going he's, he's gonna to lean right back into it now. Just I keep it coming, Dabo. And, man, there was a minute there when there was a lot of happy media folks that were uh, looking like Clemson's going to get run out the building by Ohio State. They were going to get to shove it in Dabo's face. But Dabo had the last laugh.
0: Yeah. I uh, It was because it's the middle eight. Clemson's a middle eight. Clemson puts middle eight stats in their game notes. They believe in the middle eight. They, they, well, there's a lot, there's a lot of belief uh, throughout that Clemson program, but they, they really think it's like, if we win the middle eight, we're going to win the game. And sure enough, right before halftime, getting it done to, uh, to be able to hang in that game after it looked like it was getting out of hand. Uh, All right. So Penn state won an, absolutely nuts game against Memphis anything anything stand out from that or Notre Dame Iowa State
1: uh I mean Penn State like it that was Memphis was exactly who Memphis has been all season long in that if they didn't have a big play they weren't going to score because they couldn't put together like actual long drives like I remember at some point I tweeted it early in the game but they had like 177 yards total offense at that point, but like 70% of those yards had come in five plays. <laughs> so was, it,
2: that's still pretty impressive what they were able to do offensively against Ohio yeah.
1: And I also think kind of what we, I I talked about it, you know, after the Ohio state game, I, I think Penn state needs a new quarterback. Yeah. I just, I just don't think Sean Clifford gives them a very high ceiling.
2: Maybe they ought to go transfer portal shopping. Mm-hmm. Ghost coach
0: though gave Memphis a chance. Ghost coach, ghost coach gave him a shot. Ghost coach gave him a shot. Also, shout it. out
1: Journey Brown.
0: Jeez, it was like because that was the thing is you were looking at Memphis hitting on these big plays and you're like, man, all right, okay does does Penn State want to be here? And then the does Penn State want to be here? Also gets challenged by Is Memphis's defense a thing?
1: No. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, cause Memphis overs were, uh, af- after an early under trend, I feel like we all on the locks pods quickly jumped to the other side of that one. And, uh, and, and, and the Memphis overs smashing here in the bowl season as well.
2: Um, yeah, and I will. I think that Brian Kelly in that Notre Dame game, I think he was. I think he was effing with us a little bit in his pressers leading up to this game, getting getting all the getting all the beat writers to transcribe his quotes about how unfocused practice had been and say, that was psychology, a, well, was a psychology season. S- psychology, psychology season gone wrong on that one. <laughs> because they they were that game wasn't close.
0: Um okay. And shout
1: out Shout out Tony Jones for delivering the stiff arm from hell to
0: Tavon Hall. I haven't seen it yet. He, Should I look Tony it up? Tony
1: Jones. Oh yeah, he he had an 84-yard touchdown run. But the last 18 yards of it involved him just stiff arming the dude to oblivion. Tavon Kyle, he just, he came to him at the 18 Jones, just stuck his arm out, grabbed his face mask and pretty much dragged him the last 18 yards with him.
2: Huh. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a microcosm for the whole game. Uh, uh-huh. like.
0: the, the fact that this Iowa state team, sorry, my computer was about to die. I had to plug it in real quick. Um, it helps. Yeah, I know. Uh, how do you guys feel about uh, busting out another mailbag? Uh yeah. Okay. Monday?
2: Uh, I, I
1: don't know. Depends we'll how good s- the listeners are.
0: Well, See, I, I feel like we I need to call got- we need to call for it. That's that was the problem we had before the last mailbag, is I don't think that we really called for it.
1: I mean, I feel like our listeners should just know. You know, it's like do you do you have to? Do I have to ask you to tell me that you love me, or do you just, you know, tell me that you love me?
2: We'll see how bad they want it. I, I have the. I head to San Antonio tomorrow for the All American Bowl, uh, so Monday uh, might be a little bit busy for me. So we'll see if I can squeeze it in. But if not, y'all are more than welcome to 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 two man show that operation. Ooh, um, ask us a bunch of questions about Barton. <laughs> <laughs>
0: If you want to get in on a mailbag episode, whether it's recorded Monday or sometime in the future, the way that you do it is by leaving a five-star rating and a review, and within that review, leave your question for the mailbag denoted as such. It will get added to the big old bag of mail, the mailbag doc, as it continues uh, continues to appreciate in value we will uh we will be back definitely with a mailbag episode at some point next week we will definitely be hitting you with uh all of the college football playoff content that you want the next week as well as checking in with barton from the all american bowl when uh whenever whenever he gets a chance Does that sound yep. good
2: yep that sounds good can you we'll take see the, can you take the pot, next
0: you can take pot equipment
2: please I'll take, I'll take a bite
0: of Thanks. <laughs> getting getting our next week planned right here at two o three a m. Eastern right. time. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, it's, it's it's the holidays. It's the playoffs. Um, we're giving it to you as we get it. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Farnell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Good night. Good night.